1: Hey everybody. Hey hey. hey. Oh yeah, don't forget to check out our new album. <laughs> um what would our album be called?
2: Uh huh. Actually what, what are what kind of music are we gonna make?
1: We're doing that like that
2: really makes a difference.
1: Uh no, we're it's definitely like the Osmonds.
2: Oh, okay. Gotcha, like, gotcha, 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 You know, yes.
1: yeah, late night special mm-hmm. variety show music. Mm,
2: okay. Yeah, yeah. Like a Laszlo <laughs> and Nadia.
1: Sure, yeah, yeah, Laszlo <laughs> and Nadia. That's a good that's a better couple to aspire to
2: I mean In some I ways. think so. I think so. In some <laughs> ways.
1: Right, comedically, maybe not uh murderously.
2: Right. Maybe not dietarily. Right. Um let's see. Uh what would our what would we call that? It would be have to be like folk what the folk.
1: What the folk? That's it.
2: Eli and Diana, what the folk?
1: That's it. That's brilliant.
2: Folk folk tunes. We for don't have a to... good time. I don't know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we don't have to go too far with it. I think Eli and Diana, what the folk? That's our, that's our little... Uh, I'm
2: positive, like, more than 100% that there's already a What the Folk album out there.
1: Who cares? There's probably 10. I'm positive 100% <laughs> that this record's going platinum. <laughs> so get ready, <laughs> Grammys, <You're... laughs>
2: Granny's everywhere.
1: Wait, did you say grannies?
2: That's what I thought you
1: said. I said Grammys. Oh
2: my bad. I thought you were like we're making music <laughs> for grandmas. So the sights like, oh, I'm right. setting
1: are award winning <laughs> platinum album. The sights you're setting are hope the grandmas like us. <laughs> well, I'm excited. Hey, everybody. By the way, I'm Eli. I'm Diana. Welcome to the show. If you didn't know that already, uh, sorry.
2: Yeah. For, right? for
1: everything you just heard.
2: What the folk? What the like what folk? the folk?
1: Who the folk are these idiots? What the
2: folk kind of show is this? <laughs>
1: we don't know we're still figuring it out
2: <laughs> that is true that was actually a good segue though because we're talking about folktales today we
1: are talking about folk so ta- it kinda thank of works. you
2: <laughs> thank Everything you here is very deliberate
1: that's right dragobete Faricit, everyone Ooh. which is romanian for happy dragobete dragobete <laughs> dragobete
2: happy dragobete
1: dragobete i love it uh look Whenever you're listening to this, it's probably around February 24th, which is the traditional Romanian holiday, Dragobete, the holiday for love. (laughs) So this popped up on the national holiday calendar that I sometimes check, and it sent me on a whole search for other love holidays around the world. And, you know, we've touched on a few of those in episodes in the past, I think. But the ones we found today and the folk tales surrounding them just suddenly just became their own episode Mm -hmm. in their own right, right? Some of these are the most ridiculous and certainly some of the most phallic holidays on the globe. So today we're going to learn about Dragobete and the folktale that inspired it. And then we're going to learn about Japan's Kanamara Matsuri and not just... The mythology that inspired that holiday, but the larger, very romantic mythology of gods and goddesses and the creation of the world that led to that holiday as well. So I say we jump into all these uh, these boner festivals.
2: Let's go to the Bone Zone. Yes. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or no romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio.
1: All right, so, Dragobete... This is named for the Romanian patron saint of love and cheerfulness. And he's sort of like a non-god parallel to Cupid or Eros, if you're more familiar with, uh, mm. you know, Greek and Roman mythology. But as Rolandia.eu tells us, he was unlike those two, in that he didn't like pop up in your life and intervene in your romantic situation. He didn't he didn't like shoot love arrows at you and make you fall in love with someone you didn't like. He's not swinging around the dust of broken hearts, nothing like that. none of that creepy stuff.
2: But does he wear a diaper? That's the real question.
1: Um, he's very old, so by this point, maybe <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, human life truly can be a circle
1: it's true. In fact, Dragobete only used his powers, quote, to always remind people to never stop celebrating love. Aww. So he's a very unproblematic Cupid. I really like, I like this, this message this. that he's got. Yeah,
2: yeah, it seems wholesome. Yeah, definitely. Well, Dragobete's mother was Baba Dokia, an old woman who is associated with the arrival of spring in Romanian mythology. So she has a bunch of sheep, and every year when spring comes, she walks them up to the Puchiji Mountains to graze. And that's how you know it's springtime. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, Old ladies walking up the mountain. Must be time to plant the crops.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So the story goes that Dragabete met a girl and they fell in love so hard with each other that they got married on the spot. She didn't want any long engagement. Right. Or any engagement at all. They just were like, let's do (laughs) this. Skip
1: that part. Will you marry me? Uh I don't know how much time you got.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So after their little speed wedding, they went and told Babadokia, who was furious.
1: Oh, no. Which, I
2: mean, if your own mother is not invited to your wedding, unless she sucks, I think she would probably be mad (laughs) about that. So Babadokia had, you know, she's got her bunch of sheep, right? So she sheared off some black wool and she told her new daughter-in-law, Okay, fine. You want to be in my family? It's a sheep family. So you got to go wash this wool until it turns white. Or so help me. I'm going to shear your hair and wash it till it changes color.
1: Oh, no. She said, don't you come back until it's done. <laughs> <laughs> I just Thank thought of I, I just yeah, thought of it. I needed that. <laughs> well. This girl, she's like, all right, okay, I can prove something to my mother-in-law. Very, It's giving me, like, Princess and the Pea vibes, right? Uh, like, sure, give me an impossible sure. task. Mm-hmm. I got it. Mm-hmm. I got it. So she goes to the river. Now, keep in mind, it is February in Romania. The water is freezing. And she takes this black wall, and she starts scrubbing it in the water. But it just won't change color. Because it's not black because it's dirty. It's, it's black because the sheep was black.
2: Exactly. It's not gonna change uh-huh. color.
1: So her hands are, like, bleeding after a while. She's scrubbing so hard. And then suddenly this mysterious man shows up out of the forest, and he says, hey, girl. Hate to see you on the struggle bus there, you know? Uh, I'm going to help you out. Here is a magic red flower. You put that in the water, and your wool will turn white. She's like, look, I know to trust a magic stranger in the forest when I meet one, so (laughs) sure.
2: Especially when he has a low a deep, smooth sexy voice very white kind of
1: voice <laughs> so she takes him up on this offer she puts the flower in the water and lo and behold bang bang boom he was right it turns white Ooh. also i'll pause here to say that in the original mythology from what i could find this guy was also like a representative of the coming of spring he was like a personification in oh, that okay. mythology but as the myth was Christianized later on, that guy was suddenly Jesus in later versions of the story. <laughs> they're just like, let's just recast him as Jesus, and good to go. Yeah, magic flowers—sure, that sounds like something Jesus would do.
2: That's so. I love. Sometimes it's so obvious. They're so lazy, you know. They're just know. like, we need to assimilate these people into our own culture. So, I don't know. Take that old folk tale and make Jesus one of the characters out of nowhere. <laughs> And that'll do it. <laughs> this one of, is so weird.
1: One of my favorites was study abroad alert. On my study abroad, when I went to Italy, if you haven't heard, um, <laughs> we were walking around Rome. And they're, you know, they're, they're giving us the tour. They're telling us about everything. And you see in the middle of this square an obelisk that they had taken from Egypt, the Romans, right? Mm -hmm. And they didn't know what it meant. They just wanted it. And they brought it back to Rome and they stuck it in the middle of the square. They put all their pagan gods around it. And they were like, now it's ours. Now it's a Roman uh, religious artifact. And then hundreds of years later, when the Christians converted everything, they just put a big brass cross on top of it. So you've got this Egyptian (laughs) obelisk that's like meant for Egyptian religion, And then it's surrounded with Roman pagan gods. And then it's got a Christian cross on top. And it's just the most ridiculous looking thing. (laughs) That's
2: amazing. I love
1: it. And hate it at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the girl has her white wool and she goes running back out of the forest and to find Babadokia. She's like, hey, mom, check it. Thanks. Mm -hmm. I got your white wool here. So glad to be part of the family. Yes. (laughs) And Babadokia, of course, is furious because she set this whole thing up to not work deliberately. But before she can even start yelling at the girl, she notices the red flower that the mysterious man had given her and it's pinned to her shirt. She sees this flower and she's like, oh my God, it's spring? The flowers are blooming? Oh shit, I'm late. I gotta get my sheep up this mountain. And she gets 12 coats and all her sheep and she starts hiking up the mountain. And as she goes up, it's getting warmer and warmer. She takes one coat off every day. But when she gets to the top, she realizes it's actually not spring yet. She jumped the gun, and an icy wind comes through, and it freezes Babadokia and all of her sheep. Aww. And there's these rock formations in the Bucheji Mountains now that you can go up and see, and they say that's uh, that's Babadokia and her sheep.
2: Man, kind yeah. of a drive-by on the sheep.
1: <laughs> yeah, the sheep didn't do nothing. <laughs> I
2: feel like they didn't do anything. Didn't I mean
1: dokia sure. Her her pride got the best of her. Sure, yeah. Those you poor see sheep. Something
2: there, yeah. But the sheep were just innocent bystanders.
1: <laughs> innocent bystanders.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, that's why this partnership works.
1: That's the only joke I have is converting <laughs> b words to ba for sheep. <laughs> well, also works for goats.
2: Very appropriate for this particular yeah <laughs> <laughs> story. Yeah, yeah this it is might my be uh... weird later. But <laughs> no, nope, this is the
1: peak of comedy for me.
2: It's <laughs> as good as it gets. <laughs> And Eli Banks' world. (laughs) Hey!
1: See, we can all do it.
2: Okay, so that's the story of Babadokia and her sheep. And so the traditional celebration of Dragabete would be in late February, and it's just full of parties. And often people would schedule their marriages, of course, you know, romantic time. Sure. During the festival, young men and women would wander in the forest together, and the men would go searching for strawberry flowers— which they would use to make these little bouquets, and they would dip them into a river for luck.
1: Oh, just like uh, the girl who had the red flower from Jesus or whatever, yeah.
2: And then at noon, all the women go running back into the village, and the men go, you know, they go running after the women that they like. And if he caught her, and she liked him back, she would kiss him publicly. Oh. And in old traditions, this was like an engagement announcement. Oh. Because okay. you don't kiss anybody you're not intending to take right to bed. Right.
1: And much like uh, Dragobete and his girlfriend, they're like, hey, I like you, you like me. Well, let's get married as quick as possible.
2: Let's just do the damn thing.
1: Probably because they couldn't have sex until they did. Okay. So they were like, hurry up.
2: <laughs> let's just get this done. Uh huh. And then at night, all the men and women would hike over the hills outside of town, they would make bonfires, and they would sit around and talk until morning. Aww. Which is still very wholesome.
1: Yeah, it sounds so nice. I mean, you gotta wonder what's really happening out there at those bonfires. You know they're doing a little
2: necking. <laughs> there has to be a little bit.
1: I mean, it could be a full-on orgy. I don't know how things are over in <laughs> Romania. They're
2: like, actually, just remove your clothes like Baba Doki right. did. You just take one item off. It just it's like turns a strip a, forest. It's
1: Burning Man, basically. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Any any Romanian person out there that wants to correct us, yes, please let us know. Please, yeah.
1: If you have participated in Dragobete, I would love to hear it.
2: The mm-hmm.
1: Dragobete now is kind of lumped together with Valentine's Day, but it makes February sort of like you know a, a love month in sure. Romania. But unlike Valentine's Day, Dragobete is a little more focused on the connection. Right, they say it's not really as much about giving roses and chocolates and love notes and stuff like that. It's about that emotional aspect. It's about respect and appreciating and spending time with your partner. Right. Mm, Um, They also say it's it's not just for couples. It's for single people as well to sort of look for love or dream of love. Although single people are not supposed to cry or complain (laughs) on Dragobete. (laughs) If they do, turn into a grouch, they will be cursed with trouble and sorrow for months. Oh. So at the same time, a little harsh to the single people out there.
2: Okay. They're like, it's for you too. But like, don't bitch and moan that you don't have nobody to kiss in the forest.
1: You're single. Think of all the potential you have in your romantic life.
2: (laughs) They're like, oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Well, it's also a tradition for women to use springtime snow to wash their faces, oh. which is supposed to make their skin look pure and beautiful. Makes sense. Depends on the snow, I think. The level of <laughs> yeah. pollution, perhaps. That don't you live use here. the yellow snow. <laughs> yeah, don't use the yellow snow. I don't think you'll get the results you're looking for. <laughs> um, and at night, older women bake salty bread for the young women to eat. And then the young ladies would place basil under their pillow and dream of their future husband coming to bring them water because oh, they're damn. so thirsty from eating the bread.
1: Like if I eat a bunch of salty, salty bread before I go to sleep, I'm just going to wake up with heart palpitations.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it does say young men and women.
1: Oh, damn. <laughs> wow. Roasted.
2: <laughs> yeah. Roasted
1: like a salty piece of bread.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, babe. Love you. <laughs> sure.
1: Okay. You you're really so. you're younger
2: than me, so this it's is kind not, of a burn on me. <laughs> this is not
1: dragobete behavior.
2: <laughs> this is not. I'm, I'm gonna be cursed with sorrow for months. <laughs> um, also, according to Rolandia.eu on dragobete, quote, "Men should not annoy women; otherwise, their love life might fall apart." Oh no! Ooh, <laughs> the one day out of the year. <laughs> But this sounds like a really fun day because you're also not supposed to work or get sucked into chores. Yeah, hell no. This is just a day to love and be loved
1: sounds or great. dream of
2: love or I guess you have to bake some bread.
1: Yeah, a little bread baking.
2: That's not it. Maybe okay. you bake that the day before so you're not sucked into the <laughs> chore of it that day. But there is one thing that you cannot do on Dragobete. It's very important. Listen up, everybody. Do not sacrifice any animals. Oh, <laughs> damn I know you wanted to I know you were this close
1: (laughs) oh no you had
2: a knife to the throat of a totally innocent lamb but it can (laughs) totally mess up your love game if you do this on Dragobete so save it for the next day I guess Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) don't kill me it's bad luck
2: (laughs) there he goes (laughs) there he is All
1: right. well all in all Dragobete very sweet holiday I think we could all have a lot of fun celebrating I would like to take partner on little Dragobete here
0: yeah, um nice. Although
1: probably by the time you're listening to this, oh, we just missed it, everybody. So I guess uh, we'll have to wait till see. next year to celebrate our uh, respective romances. Mm-hmm. But um, I do have one big problem with this particular love fest.
0: Hmm.
1: It's not enough wieners.
2: Mm, I know you love wieners. Yeah,
1: you know, if I there's a holiday, <laughs> I want it to be dick-centric.
2: <laughs> dick-centric, baby.
1: <laughs> so to fix that, we are going to zip over from Romania to Japan. To join them for Kanamara Matsuri, which is the Japanese Penis Festival. And this happens every year on the first Sunday in April in Kawasaki, Japan, which is April 2nd this year. Everybody, we got a I few weeks. Calendar. We can make it. We can make it. A hundred thousand people show up and take to the city streets, uh, 60% of which by now apparently are tourists.
2: Oh, I believe it.
1: And for a whole day, the whole city is just full of phalluses. <laughs> Obviously, we can get into our giggles about this. There's a lot to laugh about. This parade of penises taken at face value is pretty silly.
2: I don't want to take it to my face.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Noted. Uh, Yes, countless blogs and podcasts and videos across the internet for the last 10 years or so have definitely exaggerated the comical aspect of this festival, but... It's not just Dick Day for no reason. There's actually a lot of cultural history to it. It gets a little overlooked these days, probably, you know, because people are distracted by the giant dicks.
2: I mean, you can see why. Yeah. But no, the whole festival is centered around the Kanayama Shrine in Kawasaki, which is dedicated to the gods of mining, blacksmithing, and metalworks. And those gods' names are Kanayama Hiko and Kanayama Hime. And, like, traditionally, this shrine was a place for sex workers to pray for protection from STDs. Now, I don't know about you, but the first time I heard that, I was like, huh, why does a blacksmith have anything to do with an STD? (laughs) I feel like as a blacksmith, I'd be like, why are you associating me (laughs) 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 with genital warts or whatever? (laughs) All right. But the legend behind the reason for this uh, coordination, I guess, brings us to this episode's next legendary romance that inspired a modern sex festival, that of the goddess Izanami and the god Izanagi. And that is going to take us way, way, way back in time to the year... Well, actually, there's not any year. We're talking about the beginning of time here, (laughs) pre-time. But our time machine, of course, runs on the quantum power of ads. So y'all help us out by listening to just a few of those while we travel back to the dawn of creation. See you there.
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God.
1: More than once, actually.
0: Do I have to say? Yes, you do.
1: In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet? There was only chaos, just a limitless, formless, shapeless ether. And this whole story comes from the Kojiki, which is Japan's oldest mythological chronicle, compiled in the year 712 by Ono Yasumaro. And then it was written into a book by Genji Shibukawa in 1928. So out of this infinite nothingness, three deities erupted from the void to create the heavens. And then over millions of years... The plane of heaven looked down upon this sort of mushy cloud of gunk that would one day be planet Earth. But at this point, Shibukawa writes, quote, the Earth may be said to have resembled oil floating upon the face of the waters. Hmm. So other gods were born at this time or created by these three deities. But while the world was this just kind of loose and bubbly mess, there really wasn't anything for them to do. So the three creating deities summoned two additional divine beings, the goddess Izanami and the god Izanagi. And they told those two, hey, uh, you two have got to get down there and turn that dusty mess into a planet. All right. We need a world to to be gods of.
2: So they gave the couple this fancy spear covered in jewels and said, off you go. Good luck.
1: (laughs) Not a a lot of instruction on how to create a planet.
2: Okay, I guess we'll just figure it out. Uh huh. So Izanami and Izanagi are like, uh, okay, I guess take this spear and head on down there.
1: <laughs> Figure it out.
2: And they crossed the bridge that took them to the sloppy soup that was the earth. And they just kind of stared at it for a minute.
1: <laughs> right.
2: And Izanagi's like, uh, well, maybe I can stir up this mess with the spear and that'll do something. I got to have this thing for a reason. Right. And so he dips it into the goo. And when he pulled it up, A big drip fell from the spear and splashed down to create Onogoro Island, which is the first solid land on Earth. And the couple looked at each other, surprised, delighted. They decided this is going to be their little starter home. But they decided, you know, if we're going to move in together, we need to get married. we got to put a ring on it, Izanagi. Right, yeah.
1: (laughs) Traditional. We can't just be living in sin.
2: I know. Even though there's (laughs) no one
1: here
2: (laughs) to judge us.
1: Right? So, Izanami, Izanagi, they built a pillar on the center of this island, and it was called the Ame no Mihashira, or the Pillar of Heaven. And then they built a big palace around it. It's going to be their, their home, their base of operations while they crafted the world. Izanagi, the male god, walked around this pillar to the left, while Izanami, the goddess, walked around to the right. And when they met on the other side, Izanami said, How delightful it is to meet so handsome a youth. And Izanagi said back, "How delighted I am to have fallen in love with such a lovely maiden." No! And that was the ritual. They were married, and they had two children. But both of these children were like oddly deformed, and they weren't considered deities. So they did what any loving parents would do. They put them on a boat and they sent them out to sea.
2: <laughs> There's cool. literally nothing out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Bad we luck. haven't created it yet. <laughs> Bad luck. Bad luck. Oh. <laughs> well, so then they decide to go to their uh, their mommy and daddy gods and say, hey, what's the deal? Why can't we have babies? We got okay. married and everything. Well, the creator gods said something we've heard across many religions it's the woman's fault. Oh god. They said to you hey, you remember that pillar marriage you all did? Yeah, uh after you crossed both sides of the pillar, Izanami spoke first and women shouldn't speak first. Oh. So uh so that didn't count. You're not married actually. That's why your babies are all weird.
2: Boo. So many problems
1: with that. I would say these 3 gods are canceled. <laughs> Very problematic, <Canceled> gods. gods. Let's <laughs> check out our next podcast, Cancelled Gods. God. <laughs> what the folk? <laughs> Are we talking about what the folk <laughs> from the people who brought you what the folk? <laughs> it's Cancelled Gods. Alright, well, Izanabi, Nagi, they're like Alright, fine, we'll redo the ceremony Is that good? And this time When they got around the pillar, Izanagi Spoke first to how delightful to meet So beautiful a maiden, and Izanami Followed, saying, oh, thank you so much For letting me speak, now how great to meet Such a (laughs) handsome youth, etc, etc
2: I imagine that he said it first, and then there was Kind of a very long silence And he's (laughs) like, uh, Izanabi And she's like, oh, oh, am I allowed To say something? Wow, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so lucky to have the permission of a handsome <laughs> youth like you to open uh, my damn mouth. <laughs> uh-huh. She
1: looks up at the sky. Is that good? Was that long enough a pause? Um, y'all good or what? Is that good?
2: <laughs> I guess she's probably less sassy than myself.
1: Uh, <laughs> <She> yeah, <laughs> no, she was kind of into it.
2: She was fine with it. The
1: story that Shibukawa wrote said that Her speaking second was, quote, more appropriate and in accordance with the law of nature. Mm. So I'll go ahead and cancel Genji Shibukawa (laughs) here as well. 1928 Uh. author.
2: (laughs) Well, anyway, after this fix it marriage, (laughs) their fertility issues were solved. And Izanami and Izanagi started giving birth to the eight great islands of Japan. Now that there was a solid earth and the country of islands to rule over, they started bringing gods into the mix. So Izanami gave birth to the sea god, the god of land, the wind deity, and the deity of trees. Sure. The usual gods for everything you hear about in polytheism. And those gods went on to birth gods of their own.
1: So many gods.
2: Begat, begat, begat. Right. So everything's going great until Izanami gave birth to Kagutsuchi no Kami, the deity of fire. And this little baby god was actually made of fire. And Izanami was horribly burned during his birth. Izanagi rushed in to save her and he managed to keep her alive, but she couldn't eat anything after all this. So Izanagi loved her so much that he spent all his time caring for her and he tried to prepare delicious meals that she could eat, but everything she tried to swallow, she immediately vomited back up. And from that vomit, two other deities were formed. Kanayama Hiko and Kanayama Hime, the mining and blacksmithing gods that we mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. And eventually, Izanami couldn't go on any longer and she died.
1: Izanagi threw himself over her body and cried, My dearest wife, why art thou gone, to leave me thus alone? How could I ever exchange thee for even one child? Come back for the sake of the world, in which there still remains so much for both us to do. He cried over her, and his tears fell down, and formed another goddess, Nakisawame, the spirit of spring water. And he looked up and saw her, And he's like, God, my tears, I'm crying, and now I've got another child. Mm -hmm. And this made him cry harder until he was just, like, so overcome with anger that he stood up, walked over to the fire god Kagutsuchi, drew his sword, and said, Thou hateful matricide. And he swung his sword and lopped the fire baby's head clean off. (gasps) Fiery blood spouted into the air, and as it dripped from his sword, eight more deities were born. He looked down and said, quote, what, more children?
2: (laughs) I mean, I probably would say that shit, too. (laughs) And then
1: from Kagetsuchi's body, another eight deities climbed out of his lifeless form. Oh, my God. Seriously, like, you can't. You can't spit in this world without creating a baby. This sounds like some sort of like Cronenberg horror movie where it's like oh. everything you touch, a, a, a living thing just crawls out of it.
2: I know. It sounds like a horror story yeah. for sure. And it sounds
1: from the myth like they were kind of shocked by this, too. They didn't expect every time I vomit, uh-huh. some gods are going to pop out. Ooh. Ugh, it's just terrifying.
2: Plus, he's like, I'm a newly single dad and you want me to have 16 oh more God, babies right? or however many
1: I was trying to get rid of one and you gave me 16 more.
2: I know, that's no. <laughs> Although it is fucked up that he would lop his own kid's head off.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not his
2: fault. He was born of fire. No, yeah. So he has all these new kids, and he Izanagi did find some comfort in raising all these little god babies, yeah. but he missed his wife terribly. So he decided to go into the underworld and bring her back. And when he arrived at the palace of the underworld, he found her. Izanami threw her arms around him, and Izanagi said, Quote, my darling, I have come to take you back to the world. Come back and let us complete our work of creation. How can I do this work without you? But she told him that she had already eaten in the underworld. And once you do that, it's impossible to leave. Mm -hmm. He asked her, please find a way to come with me. So she said she would go ask the Lord of the underworld, quote, but remember that thou must not on any account look inside the castle in the meantime. And he said, "Bet, got it. No worries, babe. No doubt, no doubt. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Hurry up, let's get the hell out of here. I can
1: handle this. I'm
2: on it. You know, I'm sit right here and not do shit." Mm-hmm.
1: Should also say, because you're probably thinking this here, if you're familiar with the story, that this is very similar to the Greek myth of Persephone. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, same thing where she ate in Hades, and that, uh, and that's what sort of trapped her down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of myths share across the globe and it's so interesting to me whether they came up with them independently and there's similar stories or whether that's from cultural sharing. I think that's so cool.
2: Right? That would be so interesting to parse out for sure. Right.
1: So Izaname, you know, she's going off to ask the Lord of the Underworld and Izanagi is sitting there waiting for her, tapping his foot. All right, all I have to do is not look in the castle and she'll be back any minute now. This is like Diana, when I go into the grocery store and leave you in the car, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh my God, is he ever I don't know if the line's long or right. what the deal is, but this is taking forever.
2: Well, I had a smart I have a smartphone to distract. That's true. Me.
1: Izanagi. <laughs> did Izanagi did not had have an not iPhone. yet
2: <laughs> birthed the deity that would become a smartphone, <laughs> I guess. <laughs>
1: well, he waited all day long. And as Genji Shibukawa wrote, quote, probably to his impatient mind, a single heartbeat may have seemed an age. Mm. He was so nervous and worried that he decided, you know what, I'm just gonna go take a quick look-see and see what's going on in there. So <laughs> That's he bro-
2: the one thing you're not supposed know, to do!
1: I know. He broke off a tooth of his comb, and he lit that as a torch. He held it up and crept into the castle to have a little looky-loo. And to his horror, he saw Izanagi laying dead on the floor. Not beautiful! Not beautiful! as she had been when he met her, but rotting and covered in maggots. Ooh. He gasped, dropped his torch, and took off running, and this woke her up. She looked around, heard his scream, and said, quote, he must have seen me in this revolting state. He has put me to shame and broken his solemn vow. I'll make him suffer for his perfidy. And she collected a bunch of her wretched little hag demons that were huddling around her and said, we're going to go chase after this guy. And they all took off after him.
2: Good lord. She's really changed. (laughs) So Izanagi took off running out of the underworld, his zombie wife and her demons in hot pursuit. He made it to the entrance and pushed a boulder into the mouth of the cavern that separated the two worlds. Izanami couldn't pass through. So she screamed to him that she would destroy one thousand residents of the living world every day. Izanagi shouted back that he would give life to fifteen hundred. Then, in return, hmm. the two agreed to divorce. And Izanami, they're like, "We're just not compatible anymore." Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. And you know, th-
2: we've
1: we've we've decided to go in different directions. You know, you're <laughs> a rotting corpse full of maggots, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, uh, not,
2: <laughs> not not that not that. Plus, I have 16 kids. You know, you you weren't there for that, but they keep they keep spawning. (laughs) I got to get home. So the two agreed to divorce and Izanami would rule the land of the dead while Izanagi ruled the land of the living. And Izanagi went back to his home and he washed himself in spring waters, which is said to explain the purification rituals in Shintoism, where shrine goers wash themselves with water before entering a sacred space.
1: Mm, I can imagine uh, getting out of that situation and really wanting to take a shower.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was
1: just in the underworld for a while. There's a lot of maggots.
2: Okay. My dead
1: wife's chasing me down. Uh, The other interesting thing is that, That sort of argument they had where Izanami said she would kill a thousand lives a day and Izanagi said he would then give life to 1500 in return. This was the beginning of death in the world, apparently. Uh, So that's sort of how, you know, people are going to die, but more will be born. That was Hmm. kind of where that idea came from.
2: Interesting. Yeah.
1: So I think it's a really fascinating tale. One of these sort of love myths that we sometimes Get the opportunity to tell on this show And I I love this stuff I was a big mythology fan Mm -hmm. uh, In college and high school and stuff So uh, this is cool to get back into But I know y'all are itching You got blue balls for this dick festival We've been talking (laughs) about We've been teasing you about it this whole time right? And we want to talk about how it all relates Uh, But yes, their children Kanayama Hiko and Kanayama Hime Sparked the uh, rigid ritual that we'll be talking about So let's take a quick break and we'll take a ride
0: on that story right after this. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
1: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
0: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family and your future. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: VTW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on post reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise.
2: Welcome back, y'all.
1: Okay, so we talked about the two children born of Izanami's vomit after she was burned by her fire baby. That was Kanayama Hiko and Kanayama Hime. And that just, as I was saying that, I was like, imagine if this was like the radio and people just tuned in at a certain oh, right. point. And
2: you're like, wait, like, birth from vomit? What, after the yeah? fire baby?
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> if you're just joining us. <laughs> 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 All right. So, Kanayama Hiko and Kanayamahime Hime are, like Izanami and Izanagi, sort of that divine brother-sister, husband-wife sort of team. Mm. And these two are celebrated as protectors of blacksmiths and sexuality, which, huh. again, is a weird combo. Yeah. Now, in some versions of the story, this is because it's said that Kanayama Hiko and Kanayama Hime healed Izanami's burns around her vagina after she birthed the fire baby. Oh. So they, they you know were born of her vomit. The first thing they did, oh my God, thanks, Mom, for bringing us into the world. Whoa, what is happening? Let me, let me try and put this fire out <sighs> right. real quick. And so because they were so quick to act and did such a good job, they are prayed to for anyone who's seeking help with venereal diseases or their fertility or safe childbirth or even matrimonial happiness. That's according to Mm -hmm. Tofugu.com. But that's not the only story about why these two are associated with, uh, you know things having to do with sex, there's another one that explains the background of the penis festival a little more clearly.
2: Once there was a jealous demon with nasty sharp teeth who fell in love with a beautiful young human woman. Okay. And she just wasn't that into him for some reason. (laughs) I can't imagine why. Because he was a jealous demon with nasty sharp teeth. Hey,
0: baby. (laughs) Don't don't talk to anybody else, but... uh... (laughs)
1: You and me, huh?
2: Ew, get She's away like, from me. Oh, I'm so tired. Let me just stretch my arms out here.
1: Ew. Give me a little sugar, sweet cheeks.
2: <laughs> Gross. <laughs> this demon sucks. What I
1: imagine this demon is, yeah. Whew.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, so she was, like, not feeling it. <laughs> and the demon got butthurt about it and decided that he would take up residence inside her vagina. Oh. And he swore to bite the boners off of anyone who dared enter her.
1: Wow, I've heard of, like, vengeful exes, but Good this God. is ridiculous.
2: This is real crazy, because <laughs> he's, like, inside her vagina. Yeah,
1: that's Ugh. personal.
2: She needs, she, you know, I'd be like, get the fuck out
1: of this. I mean, there's violating someone's personal space, and then there's this.
2: Like, you went too far. <laughs> well, the woman fell in love with the young man, and soon they decided to to wed. But sure enough, on their wedding night, they started to have sex, and... <laughs> He got his dick bit clean off. So, yeah, that marriage didn't last. (laughs) I guess he was like, I feel like I've sacrificed a lot. So she figured, I mean, what are the odds of this happening twice? (laughs) Who gets struck by lightning twice? So she married a second man and I guess did not disclose to him how her first marriage ended. So on their wedding night, consummation started and... Stop. Once again, her husband, D-Dicked.
1: Damn. Sorry, honey. I should have mentioned Damn.
2: that. Yeah, he's. I mean, and I imagine these fellas are just running, screaming.
1: Well, she starts thinking, okay, maybe I'm trying to do the same thing here and expecting different results, right? <laughs> so let me try and come up with a solution. So she goes to a blacksmith and she said, hey, uh, I need you to whip me up a big steel dick. <laughs> Who was the blacksmith in our other episode where we talked about making dildos? <laughs>
2: Oh, my Just God. Just recently.
1: So, like, Josh or something.
2: Josh the blacksmith.
1: Josh the black. We'll go with it. This That's time it's Josh. She was
2: in dick blacksmithing.
1: Uh-huh. Well, anyway, this blacksmith is like, excuse me? You need me to make a what? And she explained her situation like, hey, I got this this tooth demon in my vagina. Mm-hmm. He's biting dicks off. And Josh the blacksmith is like, oh, actually, totally. Oh, I yeah. got you, girl. Let me get out my my dildo mold. <laughs>
2: Been there, done that. Been there, made. It, oh yeah,
1: I do fifty of these a week.
2: Oh, that teeth, tooth demons at it again, eh? Well, <laughs> pull out the mold.
1: So he banged out a big steel dildo for her, and I. You do you know, think
2: that he was like, yeah, sure, you got a demon in your vagina, right? You yeah, don't that's just what they want, all want say. a big old steel dildo. <laughs> I'm not here to ask
1: questions, lady. <laughs>
2: exactly, it's your money, lady. <laughs>
1: Well, at this point, the story kind of jumps forward to the results of this, but I like to imagine that she, (laughs) to trick the demon, had to hold a big elaborate wedding ceremony and pretend that she was about to marry some dude. Mm -hmm. And then they get back to their honeymoon suite and she's like, okay, husband, I'm ready for you to put your big, fleshy, meaty penis inside my very safe vagina with no warning. And she slipped that steel dildo inside. And then, of course, the demon, doing his thing, immediately went chomp. But, instead of biting somebody's dick off, just like uh, Yosemite Sam or Elmer Fudd getting (laughs) hit in the teeth, all of his teeth just shattered and fell out of his mouth into a hundred (gasps) pieces.
2: Yes! Victory!
1: And he's sitting in his vagina, and he's like, oh man, without these teeth, I'm just going to be sucking dicks in here the rest of my (laughs) life. (laughs) So... He decided it was time to vacate that vagina. Oh, uh, wow. And this lucky girl got to go on and get happily married, and she had many children happily ever Everything after. Everything worked end. out. Yes. Except
2: for the demon. He's like, I'm a dick biter, not a dick sucker. <laughs> right.
1: I need my teeth. I need my teeth. I'm not gumming dicks. <laughs>
2: <gasps> the guys are like, actually, this is great. <laughs> I <just like>, no, <laughs> keep this demon. That's
1: the opposite of what I wanted. No! no. <laughs>
2: All right. So in either of these stories, whether it's the healing the burns around the goddess vagina or biting off a steel dick and curing you from a demon, (laughs) (laughs) taking up residence, Uh blacksmiths doing great things for sexual health. Right. So for a long time, during the 17th, 18th and 19th centuries, sex workers would go and pray to the Kaneyama god and goddess at their shrine to help protect them from or cure sexually transmitted diseases
1: oh like i got a demon in there i
2: know get please please shatter his teeth give me
1: your holy dildo (laughs) and get it out
2: and soon everyone was doing the same thing but being sort of a shameful prayer you know you're i guess kind of admitting that you have a sexually transmitted disease Mm. or at least that you're having sex which might be shameful to some people yes
1: not spoken about very much
2: right Um, So it's sort of a shameful prayer. So it was always done at night at this shrine. Mm. And the tradition sort of fizzled out by the end of the 1800s. It was mostly forgotten until 1970, when the chief priest of the surrounding temple, Hirohiko Nakamura, decided to bring it back. And he organized the first Sunday in April as a small nighttime gathering for people to pray for sexual health, protection from disease, help with fertility, and healthy relationships. Oh,
1: very nice. 70s makes sense.
2: Exactly, right? Everyone's thinking about sex differently at that yeah, time, right? Yeah. Even in Japan. So, yeah, I think you're right.
1: Now, the resulting Kanamara Matsuri, or Penis Festival, mm-hmm. stayed a pretty small festival. It went on for about 40 years, relatively unnoticed. Now, it coincided with the Jibeta Matsuri, or Ground Festival which took place in the spring. And this was when bamboo shoots were starting to pop through the surface. So people would go and they would sit on the ground and like picnic outside, mm-hmm. hoping to get some of the, the magical energy from the bamboo coming up out of the ground. Interesting. Yeah. And soon the Kanayama shrine parishioners decided that they would just kind of merge these two festivals in the daytime because they wanted to create, quote, a festival that anybody would be able to enjoy in daylight without being discriminated. And that's according to JP.com.
2: Okay, so like, yeah, listen, we're all having sex. Yeah. Why does there have to be any shame involved? There should
1: not, yeah. In
2: praying for sexual health.
1: Just give us this one day where we can come out and talk about it. Yeah, you know?
2: it's like a, we let it all out. It's like a purge. Yeah. We let it all out. Yeah, And then we're purge. all, we're good behavior for the rest <laughs> of the year.
1: Now, they would have a small parade that took place that involved uh, depictions of penis-shaped structures and shrines. And people gradually came to feel open and comfortable about talking about sex and their sexual health on this day. Hmm. And then, according to theculturetrip.com, in 2012, a TV star named Matsuko Deluxe, Ooh. who was an outspoken LGBTQ activist, name checked the festival on TV. And after that, it just exploded. Suddenly, everybody's talking about the penis parade, and it was popping up in like BuzzFeed articles. There's like videos trending about it. It just totally took off. And now the festival has sort of evolved, and it is heavily dedicated to sexual openness, LGBTQ plus activism, and the fight against sexually transmitted diseases, especially HIV. So they like raise a lot of money at this festival as oh, well. Cool. yeah, for That's good causes. Cool.
2: Wow, it's funny. Just one time, talk about it on TV. So the name of the shrine is Kanayama, but right. the festival name Kanamara is kind of a play on words. It says on Japan.travel that the Mara is an old Buddhist word meaning obstacle to Buddhist practice. Oh. <laughs> like when you think thinking with your dick, you can't be a good Buddhist. Yes, right.
1: <laughs> Just anything that might get in the way of your enlightenment. Right, right? That's right. a Mara.
2: Yeah, or it's something having to do with bad desires, according to JapanTravelToday dot com. Okay. So, Mara Mara became slang for penis.
1: Ah, something to, that might get in the way of your enlightenment. Something <laughs> that
2: might get in the way or give you a bad desire. Uh-huh, I, I can uh-huh, see it. Uh-huh. And they mashed up Kanayama and Mara to create the Kanamata festival. Okay. So on the festival day, the whole city is all about the D. Mm. It is BDE all over that shit. BDE, yes. There are dick-shaped souvenirs. (laughs) There are dick hats. There are dick boats. There are dick shrines being marched through the town. Yeah. And it looks like a really insane party. It does. People are playing drums and they're wearing special clothes. and
1: artwork that's Mm -hmm. all like big boners and stuff.
2: Right dick-shaped food yeah (laughs) it's just very much
1: oh i read this thing about uh it it, this was on japan travel today.com it says for the truly adventurous they have one stall that offered a sort of sweet milky drink called amazaki and a snack that you ate with it that when combined created the texture and taste of semen oh so you know for anybody out there who doesn't know and wants to can Th- that's that's tr- how you try
2: it for yourself. <laughs> you try it
1: for yourself. Maybe you learned something about yourself today. <laughs>
2: I don't know that it's a flavor people are chasing, it's but not,
1: you know, it's not something I was ever really like, when are they gonna bring the Doritos out in this flavor, you know? <laughs> it's not gross. I was not looking for that.
2: Oh my god. I mean, but I respect the commitment to the theme. Yes. If you're gonna theme a party, you need to go with it.
1: That's true, that's true.
2: So they're like, let's make this happen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: They put a lot of work into making that just right.
2: So, yeah, it's just like a big, crazy. I mean, you know, you could see probably a a fraternity house having a similar type of party (laughs) or, again, a bachelorette party. Right. But keep in mind, most of the articles about this do note that there's still a degree of respectfulness and religiousness that carries through this Mm -hmm. festival. So it's not just about... You know, <laughs> like masturbation jokes or whatever. <laughs> so if you go, try not to be, you know, a dick.
1: <laughs> right, right. we got enough of those. <laughs>
2: Enjoy the dick. Don't be one
1: right. right. <laughs> I don't mean, that's not to say that it's solemn, you know, not it's all. not like everyone's bowed their heads. It is a raucous, raunchy mm-hmm. party
2: they they know how funny it is. I but
1: think. I think there are people who who are, you know, also having an experience of like i I'm praying for my sexual health i'm I'm right. here today. You know, for a religious purpose to hope that uh, this sensation goes away or <laughs> I, comes I do or don't get pregnant or comes back. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 yeah. But there are a lot of, as you point out, it is they definitely lean into this, yeah. obviously, and they know how much fun it is and how how wacky it is. Like some activities include carving a daikon root into the shape of a big dangling, <laughs> or you can like pour wax into cute little cock candles. Oh, it's like adorable. a Renaissance fair. Yeah, for right. Dicks.
1: Right, for dicks.
2: <laughs>
1: um, there's also these uh, mikoshi or portable shrines that participants will carry through the streets in this very famous parade that happens at noon on the day of the festival. And the shrines are beautiful. There's, you know, these tall, Uh, very Japanese structure-looking shrines. Uh, Mikoshi exist uh, in many festival parades. These particular ones carry big phallic statues in them. And they get carried through the streets of Kawasaki. The people who are holding them up on their shoulders, they'll like rock them back and forth to help awaken the gods' powers as they go. And there are three big famous dongs that everybody knows best. The oldest of the three, and I could not find how old, but I like to think... It's been around for centuries. Uh, it's the <laughs> Kanamara Omikoshi, and this one is made of wood. I couldn't find an exact measurement, but from the pictures I could find, looks like a squat little dick, like maybe about two feet tall and pretty thick. Mm-hmm. um they're all pretty turgid. <laughs> um The next one you might see in the parade is the Kanamara Funamikoshi, which is a very long, tall, like six foot tall, majestic sch- schlong statue. Made of black iron. Ooh. That that one reminded me of the story, right? Like, that might be the one that got the demon.
2: Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, that's the one that that she defeated. Right. The tooth guy with.
1: (laughs) No, my one enemy, metal dicks. (laughs) My one weakness.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No one told me you could make this.
1: (laughs) Well, the third of these shrines, and maybe the most famous now, is called Elizabeth Mikoshi. Mm. And it's a bright... Pink penis, uh, probably about four feet tall, very exaggerated ridges and everything mm-hmm. you'd expect. Oh,
2: sure.
1: Yes, it's got the balls too. Of
2: course, they um, all do. If don't you're they? curious, they all do. They need something to sit on.
1: Right, yeah, just a, a nice base so they don't tip over. <laughs> um, this one, the Elizabeth, was donated to the festival by a famous Tokyo drag club called Elizabeth Kaikan. Mm. And originally, after they donated this, only members of the drag club could carry the Elizabeth. But Guidable.com says that now they allow members of the festival association to carry it as well. But their one rule is that if you're carrying it, you have to cross dress.
2: Ooh. Yeah.
1: So you got to be part of the drag club. Beyond theme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, An article in Yahoo News says that uh, this shrine, in particular, uh, as the drag club helped kind of convert the festival to being largely about. Uh, health and LGBT issues. Mm-hmm. Um, they collect donations that go to support things primarily like HIV research.
2: Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah. So it's very, very heavily involved in like supporting underserved communities, uh, raising money and that it does come with like a hundred thousand people, including 60,000 tourists now. It's been a, a great fundraising opportunity.
2: Sure yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense
1: because who wouldn't want to go check it out I want to go check it out
2: I mean definitely would be in would love to be in Japan really anytime
1: Anytime Sure but I
2: would I would take April yeah and go to this
1: Let's see 100%. Kawasaki Japan is uh, not far from Tokyo so uh, it's it, you know practically a suburb so I say we just go to Tokyo around mm-hmm. uh, late March, early April uh, we can make it your birthday trip.
2: Okay yeah let's go ahead and plan that right now.
1: Yeah in fact. If we're in Romania on February 24th Mm. and we start walking then, we might make it to Kawasaki in time. Let's see. Directions from Romania to Kawasaki, Japan, 2200 hours, which is, that's only 94 days. That's three months. If we run for half of it, we might make it.
2: And don't stop to eat or sleep, I Yeah,
1: guess. yeah, we can't stop to eat or sleep. <laughs> 24 hours moving.
2: Well, I don't know if I want that for my birthday, but... <laughs> we got to go
1: right through Russia.
2: Oh, cool. <laughs> this is going to be so easy.
1: <laughs> um, yeah,
2: some of these kind of remind me of that... Um, Remember that grandma in Mexico that had a big yes, dick as her yeah, tombstone? Yeah. it's kind. Yeah, they kind of look like that. Very in similar. In terms of their... Um, Detail, I guess yeah, the, car- detail. the detail the in word. carving. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's the
1: yes. No, it's it it's so fascinating. I mean, that it's not subtle in the slightest. This festival, no. you can find tons of videos and pictures about it out there.
2: It's really fun. It looks like a great time. Everybody it does. that's there, they're all like these girls, like sucking on these cock lollipops, and they're <laughs> having a, fan- you know, they're just laughing it up. They're having a yeah, great time. Yeah,
1: everybody's having fun.
2: Um. So yeah, it just looks like a really good time.
1: Yeah, and a good cause.
2: And a great cause now, which yeah. is cool too.
1: um I love the mythology behind it i, I think it's important that that doesn't get lost because that's yeah. again they they mention that a lot of the a lot of the probably western especially articles about this festival are very kind of single minded about it, and they're just like, "Haha, look at all the dicks." Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's some really beautiful stories that come out of that. But then, again, I'm a mythology freak anyway, so I love that stuff.
2: I know. I love mythology. Yeah. And these were great. I didn't know either of these. I know, right? I was unfamiliar. Well, three really
1: we kind of got because um, between Dragobete Mm -hmm. and Izanami and Izanagi, and then also the tooth. The toothed the tooth dick demon. demon.
2: Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's really three. Yeah, people. we
1: really got quite a few.
2: Now, do you think that's where the fear of vagina dentata came from also?
1: Well, that's another one that I'm wondering if that just has developed in different areas of the world at different times. Because whenever you put your dick inside something... <laughs> There is just that hint of a question of like, will it will it come back out?
2: Oh, really? You know, okay. it just
1: just somewhere in the back of the like your monkey brain is mm-hmm, thinking, mm-hmm. make sure it's going to come back out again because you only get one.
2: I yeah, all right. I mean, I kind of feel that when like you put your hand in a box and yeah. you don't know what's in the box, like I you know, you certainly are like, oh wait a minute, this is kind of precious to me.
1: I could reach into... I want to know
2: what's in there. Right.
1: <laughs> if I reach in, if I reach beyond a wall that I know that. There's nothing on the other side, but I can't see it. Uh-huh. Part of me is nervous.
2: Fully convinced, yeah, that it will be chopped off. Yeah, forthwith. Yes, I agree.
1: Yeah, so I could so see, I vagina, see that. vagina dentata developing independently over many cultures, mm-hmm. or somebody did something real stupid
2: mm. and
1: got their dick ripped off because mm-hmm. they were like, you know, they stuck it into something they shouldn't have stuck it into, mm. and everyone's like, what happened? And they're like, well, that I was having sex. I was having lots, of, you know me. I'm always having sex. You know me and uh, I don't player. know this girl. I guess she just had a demon in there, just bit it right off.
2: And they're like, "What? That can happen?" <laughs> All these girls are like going home, like, "Hello, anyone <laughs> in there? Please leave." I was like, a "Normal sex life, thank you."
1: Meanwhile, the guy actually just like tried to stick his dick in a water wheel or something, and R- got definitely, definitely, off, but he's too embarrassed to say. <laughs> I love your idea that she was just asking for a dildo and had to come up with an elaborate story <laughs> for the blacksmith.
2: I love what she came up with. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. She should write that shit down. She's right. like a Mary Shelley of her time, coming up with horror <laughs> shit. <laughs>
1: that blacksmith goes back to his wife, and he's like, honey, I've found. I. I. I've determined we have to start using this thing to make sure that there's no demons in there. Oh. His wife is like, wow, I'm, yes, I'm if into this. If you
2: insist, I mean, let it be known it was your idea. Can
1: you blow one out of glass, do you think? Just one of the iron's a little cold sometimes. <laughs> Let's keep working on this.
2: Uh-huh. We, can, we can work on this design.
1: What if it buzzed? I'm just, you know, just curious. What if we filled it with bees?
2: <laughs> that shit still bugs me out when I think about it. That's because, an older episode. Yeah, in an older episode, we did a, a brief history of sex toys. And one of the things we learned was that Cleopatra... Apparently, put bees into a hollow gourd to mm-hmm. use as a vibrator. Right. So she would just shake them up to get all mad, <laughs> and then like hold it against a precious area of her body, <laughs> which I just don't understand. I was is, like, "You really trust this
1: gourd? God, too close to danger." Oh, another fact I wanted to bring up. I, I thought it was really interesting. Um, one article said that you know you think of Japan as being a little more conservative about sex, and they are. Apparently, it's very uncommon. ...to talk about sex in the open. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't mention your sex life in public. Okay. But Japan has this culture where, like, on Saturday night... ...you can go out and get... ...go hog wild, get drunk with your boss... ...do karaoke till four in the morning. Mm -hmm. You can do all kinds of crazy shit. And then on Monday, when you're back at work... ...it's like it never happened. Uh So this festival, it says uh, whole families will show up... ...to celebrate sex and fertility... Uh, and, you know, and it's totally cool just for that one day. We're allowed to kind of like you said, it's it like really a purge. It's like
2: a purge. Yeah. yeah.
1: Let's all go talk about sex. And then on Monday, we'll, we won't bring it up again for a, a year. <laughs>
2: right. That's so interesting that they're like, oh, well, you know, I know you got real fucked up and vomited on my lap. Right. At the karaoke bar. But it's like you're still a great VP of sales. or yeah. whatever.
1: <laughs> never happened. <laughs> I don't even know what happened. you're talking about. Well, I hope you all enjoyed these stories of these love fests and where they came from and the myths that created them. I love this stuff. It's so fascinating to me. And I really hope you enjoyed it, too.
2: Yeah. So reach out tell us what you think if you've ever... Uh, celebrated a dragobete or yeah. if you have gone to this penis festival or if you have a penis festival of your own that you think <laughs> yes. should sweep the nation. Yeah. We would love to hear about it. Uh, please reach out. We're Romance at gmail.com. That's
1: right. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at oh great. It's Eli.
2: I'm at Diana Might Boom.
1: And we're also on TikTok now at Ridiculous Romance. That's
2: right. So thank you so much for listening. We love how you spend your time with us. And um, we really appreciate it. So we will see you next time for another crazy story.
1: Yep. Bye bye Love
2: you. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous
1: Romance.
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.